Not all realtors are created equal. How to make sure they're looking out for your best interest and not their own commission check. Is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? It's seven figures. I'm Sandy Waters. Thank you so much for joining the weekly podcast. This is where we talk about your money, how to be smart with your money, to get you on that path of financial independence. Knowledge is power. And when you're in unfamiliar territory, sometimes you allow your decisions to be easily swayed. You're easily influenced. And when it comes to buying a house or putting your house on the market, there's a lot to know. We're focusing on that this week. Tips to get the most for your money and how to make sure your real estate agent has your best interest in mind and not working for their own commission check. It's probably not my best quality. I don't know if you're like this too, but very cynical person, especially when it comes to money. I'm wired to think, be careful who you trust. So let's put our mind at ease. Let's gain the knowledge that we need. We cash in with our experts, Rick and Jackie Curtis. You guys were in not too long ago from Stonehaven Custom Homes and Danielle Clement from Remax Plus. Thank you so much for coming in. Hi. How do you make sure that your agent is the right agent, has your best interest in mind, is working hard for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's two different types of representation. There are agents that represent buyers and there are agents that represent sellers. Some agents do both. But making sure that you're aligning with somebody that specializes in what you need and understands what your needs are, I think, is the most important thing. Um, And then interview a couple of people and see who fits best with your personality and who you drive with, because there are a lot of different personalities out there. Yes. Can you sell a home without an agent? What are the pros and cons? Well, I'm probably partial to that comment. Yes, you can definitely sell a house without a real estate agent. And the internet has made that a lot easier for people to be able to do for sale by owner. But statistically, on average, the National Association of Realtors says that you get about 10 to 12 percent more for your house by using a real estate agent. Part of that is due to exposure and getting the house multiple listed gets it onto onto many, many websites in front of more buyers. And if you're selling your house, that's a really important thing have options. Let's just be honest and real here, because that's why we we look to this podcast. We really want to find out the inner workings of of some of this. Let's just talk about putting your house on the market. Mm -hmm. If I were to say, hey, listen, I'm going to try to do this on my own uh, to trim off some of that commission cost. What am I working up against? What are the negative aspects of trying to do it yourself? Okay. Well, first of all, even trying to get it exposed and get it in front of buyers is kind of like step one. Um, it's going to be more difficult to convince agents to come and show your home if it's not multiple listed. Um, having now, the why ho- is that? If I sell the house myself, it's not on this database that you guys are all looking at? or I th- Yeah, I think all in all, it's a little bit more challenging because let's just say I do have a buyer that wants to go see a for sale by owner home and I'm representing my buyer and my buyer wants to go see this property. Okay. If they decide they want to make an offer on that, As the professional, I'm writing that contract. I'm going to negotiate on their behalf. And now I'm working with the seller of the home who is going to take things very personally. Um, It's not really a conversation that you can have between two professionals where both of those professionals are a little bit removed from the emotional aspect of the home purchase and sale. Um, So I think, you know, that kind of plays into it. You, you're not going to have the same perspective either than that a professional real estate agent has. So we're dealing with many, many clients and contracts. And as an individual, you're kind of operating in a vacuum. So you may not understand what are the normal things to 
have to deal with at the time of an engineering inspection? You know, what kind of repairs are pretty typical to have a buyer request? Um, What kind of financing issues that may pop up um, that you've got to kind of work through all of those phases? So it's not just about finding the buyer. That makes sense. Yes. You get a lot. If you try to sell a house on your own, you're going to get a ton of people that are going to call. They're not qualified. When you work with a realtor, they're pre-qualified. Okay. Like Danielle will pre-qualify a client before we even hear their name so that we don't have, uh, if you tried to, if Jackie and I tried to sell a house on ourselves, our own personal house, Danielle had sold our own personal house. And that was one of the nice things of, about using a realtor like Danielle is that everybody's pre-qualified. If you're, if you don't do that, then you're going to get a ton of calls. You're that people are really don't, can't afford the house. They're going to try to give you a low offer just to see if they can, okay. if they can uh, get yes. you to bite. Where if you use somebody uh, like a realtor, they they eliminate all that. They okay. you, know, you don't have all that time wasted. Okay. Is it true though that your house isn't going to get as much exposure if you're doing it on your own? Exactly. So when I take a listing on, it gets entered into the multiple listing system. Okay. And that system is what feeds all of the real estate based websites that consumers can go on to search for properties for sale. Um, Likewise, a buyer can connect with a real estate agent and ask for their agent to put their criteria into the multiple listing system and save it so that if a new listing comes on that matches that criteria, you'll get that email immediately versus having to, you know, spend time logging into a website, putting in your criteria, searching for it. This automatically comes to you. So you get that information in advance. Okay. So, As a seller, it's really a benefit to be a part of that system because you're going to be accessing more buyers that way. More More buyers creates more demand. More demand for your house creates, generally speaking, a better situation for the seller. So it's not impossible, but there's a lot working against you. It's just a little bit more challenging to get out there and to sell it quick. Because when you're at the point where you want to sell your house, you may have already purchased your next house. You may already started the building process. So, you know, the clock is ticking. You want this house off your hands. Are we in a home buyer's market right now or a seller's market? It's really more of a seller's market right now. It's a seller's market right now. And how do we determine that? Is that seasonal or is that just the economy? What what determines that? I think there's a lot of factors. It doesn't seem to be seasonal because we've been in that place for probably going on a year or more now. I mean, oh, there really? are so many buyers out shopping, not as many houses for sale. Oh. So you're seeing multiple offers on homes pretty regularly, especially if they're priced correctly. Um, so okay. it makes it 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 makes why it a better that? any research as to why the inventory is down. Yeah. We just love Rochester so much. We do not want to move. <laughs> we don't want to go. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if we're talking a little bit more globally, I think you don't see as many people shifting when there is a big change. You know, we just have a new president. There's okay. a lot changing in the market that way, too. So I think people want to feel secure. And so, no, unless there are immediate like family things that change, you got a new job, you know, getting married, had a baby needed to you know, get something bigger or downsize, whatever the situation might be. Um, I think you see a lot of people kind of like holding on and just waiting to see what's going to happen. Okay. Now you made mention a couple times about pricing your house at the right price. Mm-hmm. How do you determine that? Because you're right when you say um, it's a very emotional thing, your home, and you do take it personal. How do you decide how much your house is really worth? You have to look at a, a bunch of different factors. So when, when it comes to pricing something, you should look at 
previous sales, recent previous sales that are similar to your home, similar size, similar style, similar age, same school district, all of those factors play into choosing the right and best comparables to price your home. And it, it depends, but a lot of times we look at what is the price per square foot for that particular product look like? And then you, you, you take that information and you put it up against what it is that you have to sell. Um, so once you have identified what kind of your core value of the house is, then we have to look at what is the supply and demand? Are you competing against a lot of homes for sale right now? Is there only a little bit on the market? Um, is there been a lot of turnover and there are a lot of buyers in the marketplace? And that information helps to guide your price up or down. Sites like Zillow um, and sites like that keeping home buying and home selling more honest. It's interesting because I think with websites like Zillow, which can be which can be helpful, um, you don't get all of the information. So you can see public comments and public remarks on Zillow. You can't see all the private information that only the real estate agents see in the multiple listing system. So a lot of times I'll have clients say, well, this house down the street sold for $350. Well, maybe it looks like it sold for $350, but what I can see internally is that the seller also paid $10,000 of the buyer's closing costs. So the seller really got 340. The internet's not going to tell you that. But okay. when you're when you're actually trying to look for comparables, you need to look at what was the bottom line number. Now, when you are a buyer, real estate agent, pros and cons. Why we need one? Is there ever a time where it's not as necessary maybe when you build a new house, do you need to work, do you need to have a real estate agent when you're navigating that side of things? I think it it depends. And I hate to keep going back to that answer, but it really does depend. If you're a really seasoned um, and savvy consumer and you've maybe you've built a home a time or two before, perhaps you go right to the builder because you know exactly what you need to do and you know what you're looking for. I have occasions where clients have never built a home and having worked with many builders, Rick and Jackie included, but having worked with many, many builders, they all have their own unique process. And I think unless you understand and have expectations set up front of what that process is going to be like, there are a lot of twists and turns that can send people like into a tailspin because it's a long process. Yeah. So I think having another party there to kind of guide you through that is very beneficial. Um, there are certainly times where there probably is room for some negotiation or another set of eyes can say, look, what if you add the egress window for future purposes? Or you know, what if you do this instead of that? So that, you know, we're always thinking resale as well. And I don't know that everybody's always got that eye towards the process when it comes to building. There are bad apples in every bunch. And going back to how we started this podcast, when we're in unfamiliar territory, we often allow ourselves to be easily influenced. And I sold houses for a brief period, a handful of years ago, selling new home construction. And I remember this one young couple, I will never forget. They came in, fell in love with the neighborhood found the plan that they wanted. They were excited about the building process. They were just starting their family. Like everything was great. And then all of a sudden, I just didn't hear from them anymore. And I thought that was odd. Finally, I uh, I connected with them and they said that their real estate agent advised them not to build. And I couldn't figure out why. And then it hit me. The existing home that they wanted to buy cost more money and the real estate agent would get paid quicker. So in my opinion, that agent was working for their own commission and not truly for their client. And that bugged me. What should we do to make sure we're working with a true, honest, ethical, because you talk a lot about ethics, Danielle, a true, honest, ethical agent, I guess. I think, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier, but 
maybe getting a reference from family members or friends that have used an agent and kind of asking how their experience was. There's a lot of information online you can look up um, on Zillow and you can Google people and you know check them out that way to see to see what other people are saying. Okay. Um, and then once you're sitting down with the agent, you should be asking them, "What are you going to do? You know, what are what are you going to do for me? If I'm if I'm a buyer and I'm hiring an agent, are you sending me houses that I should be seeing, or am I having to find these properties and tell you I want to go see them? Your agent should be bringing stuff to your attention. Okay. Um, and they should be setting you up to be in the very best position possible to be a winner in the circumstances that we have today. Like I was saying, there's not there aren't as many homes out there right now. So making sure that your agent knows how to strategize so that when you are putting an offer and yours is the selected offer, just had this situation with some clients last night and a multiple offer situation. Um, there are a lot of things that you have to understand about the process. Well, I, and I also think that um, if, if you're a buyer and you're doing all the work, and you're finding the property, then you need a new yeah. realtor. <laughs> well, you see, know, I've, had, I've had many instances where I've had clients come to us to build a house. They went and they found us. They were driving around and uh, shopping for new home tracks, uh, came into the open, did all the work themselves, and then they'll ask, well, should my realtor get a commission? That's on what happened and to me, though. No, they should not. When we decided to build, the development that we live in is across the street from my parents' house, so I knew it to be there all along. And then all of a sudden, at closing, my agent shows up wanting her commission check. Uh, well, who are you? Right. You, you That's weren't not involved cool. in this, but in the fine print of the contract that I signed that I had no idea, it states whatever home I buy, I guess she gets a, a percentage of that. Mm-hmm. So what in the contract or what should we say to our real estate agent that covers us and make sure that we don't fall into that same scenario? Can I, two points quick. Yeah. I think to Rick's comment, the frustration is often, you know, was the agent the procuring cause? of the buyer coming to you. Did the agent say, you know what, drive over and take a look at that neighborhood. There's a builder building in such and such area. See what you think about that neighborhood. Did they send the client over there? Okay. Running up at the 11th hour, trying to convince everybody that somehow you... To the open house right. with having a realtor on there, but yet the realtor calls after the fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, think yes. that, I think that most builders, I mean, I'm sh- are going to honor a realtor. If that realtor sent that client over, that client comes into that open and says, oh, my realtor told me about to your that's home community. That's a different situation than right. you know, somebody running up at the 11th hour saying, what about me? Um, and But then the, we have to pay as the buyer. Do, are we paying that extra cost, that extra well, 3% it depends. or whatever it is? It depends because there are some agents that ask their buyers to sign an actual um, agreement. The same way you would hire an agent to sell your house and you sign a listing agreement. There are some agents that have their buyers sign a buyer's agency agreement that states that whatever you buy, you will either pay me if I am not paid by the seller of the house that you are choosing. Okay. So you do have to be aware of that. And, you know, in defense of all of the great real estate agents running around trying to do the very best that they can for their clients, in all fairness, that stuff does happen sometimes. I mean, I've had situations where I'm on vacation with my family and my clients go to an open house and they're, you know, there's 30 other people there and they're concerned that what if we don't get this house? So you, I mean, there are times where your clients are going to think about what's, you know, what's in our best interest at that yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. And you may have spent months showing them other properties. The, the other point that I wanted to make about your question earlier was this is a process of elimination. And a lot of people don't look at 
finding a house that way. So even if you do run into, you know, whether it's a builder's model or an open house or whatever it is, and you do happen to find a house that day on your own, you may have spent weeks traveling around with somebody who is showing you a bunch of other properties to help you kind of sort through what you like, what you don't like. And you had to kind of learn what it was that you wanted and didn't want. And that person has been serving you through the entire process Mm -hmm. that way. That's true. So just because they weren't there the moment that you saw the house that you think you need they to have for you. doesn't mean that they okay. didn't work for you right. in the entire process. But a lot of people don't see it that way. They right. think, okay, well, you know, she's doing this today and she's not with me. She's not the reason I'm buying this. How did you even get to the point that you knew that was the right house? It's probably a lot of, you know, months of realizing yeah. what you did and didn't want. Okay. That's, that's a very a, good point. Yeah, that is very good. good point. The other thing too, is I can tell you that I'm sure in uh, there's inter- instances where, uh, a realtor will send a client to a new home track and, you know, with any industry, again, I mean, there could be builders that try to cut the, uh, would try to unethically cut, cut the, the realtor Sure, we've, we've had, I've had that before yeah. too. I've had salespeople from certain builders that have said, look, if you don't have your agent here, we can, we can cut the price down a little bit for you. That's See, equal that, as unethical. Okay. Right. Right. That's so, okay. Right. Let's talk numbers then. Just before we move on to if you are putting your house up on the market, what you should do to get your house ready. Before we get to that, let's just break it down. Be honest. On average, what are we talking? What can we expect when it comes to compensation uh, commission? I'm not allowed to use the word standard. Okay. Um, there are no standard fees. Oh, but New okay. York State, you know, there are there are costs that you're always going to see when it comes to selling a house. There's usually going to be a brokerage fee if you're hiring a real estate agent. Okay. And that brokerage fee often is 6%. Um, 3% is generally uh, kept for the selling agent, the agent that you've hired to sell your house. And 3% is broken out and paid to the agent who brings the buyer. To. So if it's the same agent, mm-hmm. then what happens? That agent gets 6%? Are you paying 6% no matter what? Who cares who gets it? If that's you what your agreement with your agent says, yes. Okay. And your commissions are negotiable. So you can talk to your agent about is, you know, you can work a structure with your agent. Not oh, you all, can? Yes. Yes. So there are, there are brokerage firms out there that will do a flat fee for you. Okay. You don't get the same level of service, generally speaking. Um, there are brokerages that just add your listing to the multiple listing system and you get all the phone calls and you pretty much have to do everything yourself. Okay. Um, to go back to your question, most traditional agents are going to charge 6%. Okay. And yes, if you work with the agent who is selling the house, listing the house, I should say, um, the broker would keep 6%. That doesn't mean that the agent sees 6%. And I think that that's also a common misconception. Okay. 6% is paid to the broker. So the agent gets a portion of that. Okay. Now we can be open and honest with our agent, right? In discussing this, because this is your money. So you can say, how are you going to get paid? What is the fine print in my contract? What Absolutely. am I committed to? These are discussions that we should be having. You should be having that. And you should understand prior to signing a contract, you know, understanding what it is that you're going to take away at the closing table. Somebody okay. should be preparing that information for you. Okay. So New York State charges you to transfer the title of your property to somebody else. Um, $4 no. per thousand. Does yes. New York State charge us for something? They do. <laughs> they do. Okay. So, and that's generally a fee that the seller pays. So, you know, there are, there are buyer's closing costs and then there are seller's closing costs. And the seller's closing costs are generally paid out of 
the sale price at closing. Okay. You hire a lawyer. And You've got an attorney real- fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yes. exactly. Okay. You've got a survey. There's there, there are a lot of fees. That There's add a up. lot involved. Okay. Um, so open conversation is the biggest takeaway from that. Yes. To just have an open conversation. You deserve to know Good how they're going to get paid. And communication and make sure they're an ethical individual by looking at reviews yes. uh, that you can obtain um, on Zillow and other sites like that. Now, let's say we're putting our house up on the market. Um, you said this is a seller's market. So I can just throw my house up and it doesn't matter what it looks like. No. What do we need to get done? We hope we're not doing it that way. (laughs) What are uh, areas of a home that you're like, oh, gosh, I wish the seller would just do this or invest in this? I think right now with the with the options being limited, buyers are a little bit more um, they're a little more willing than they normally are um, to, you know, buy homes that are at least mechanically sound, even if they aren't cosmetically perfect and appealing. I have a lot of clients that say, you know what, if we can find a house in our price range in this school district that has these core things that we know that we need, we can change the wallpaper. We can change the carpet. We just, Mm -hmm. we want to be able to get ourselves there. But if you're looking as a seller for the, for the best possible result, um, there are certainly places in the house to spend money that you're going to get a little bit more return on your investment. Um, I think most people know kitchen and bathrooms are like number one. Um, Paint is probably the biggest bang for your buck, you know, neutralizing things and making them appealing. Um, Do you take all your personal items down? How many times have I seen that? Take all the photos off the wall? I think there's a fine balance because a lot of people feel like strip it down, make it look like nobody lives here. And that kind of also causes a a coldness that doesn't really feel good either. Uh, And it looks like you really did that. The point of staging isn't to look staged. The point of staging is to identify if if it's not presenting the house at its best. So... Some family pictures are okay. Um, you don't want it to look like nobody is living there and unwelcoming. But you also don't want to have a collage covering the wall and you can't see what color are the walls. It's a shrine to your kids? Exactly. No? Yeah, exactly. A shrine to your dog? Or- <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, other things that people don't always think about neutralizing. And this is, this is really personal. But I have had clients that will walk into a house and the family is a huge fan of a particular sports team. And my clients are like... I'm not digging this. And because oh. you, they're not seeing past it. That's the problem. Mm. They're not seeing the house. They're seeing all of the stuff that's kind of in your face. The same thing would go for politics and religion sometimes, too. I mean, you know, sleeking it down so that people can kind of see what is the house itself and what am I buying, not what are your things. Okay. Are there little tips? Um, Someone said uh, when I was in the process of selling my home, and this might make you laugh because it's so ridiculous, but light a candle that smells like cookies or freshly baked cookies in the oven. Yeah, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about and like not sleeking the house down to the point where it doesn't feel unwelcoming because you've depersonalized it so much. Certain things like, yeah, lighting a candle, baking cookies before an open house does, you know, it gives people the sense of comfort when they walk into the house. that answer the question? Yeah. Okay. So do those little things. Yeah, definitely. That make the house feel like you could live here. Yes. Look at your hardware. I mean, little things like that. If the hardware needs to be updated on your kitchen cabinets, that can give it a whole different oh. look. Um, taking a look at your windows and deciding, are they covered in you know fabric and things that people can't see how pretty the molding and the trim are around them? Sometimes less is more. Um, okay. Just generally decluttering the house? Yeah, decluttering. You know, I have most of the time people have their refrigerator covered in pictures and kids' artwork and postcards from a vacation. Take that stuff off, you know, little things like that. Put the mail away. 
<laughs> if we're going to um, spend money, invest in the house, so you say the kitchen, but what part of the kitchen? I mean, do we tear up old carpets and linoleum flooring and, and go that route or just make it look clean and neat? I think it comes back to what your expectations are for how the house is going to perform. So if you've had a discussion with your agent, if I do these things, is it what can I list my house for and what can I expect it to sell for? If you're liking what you're hearing, then yes. In those cases, that maybe you do want to invest in new flooring if it needs it. Um, I think it's really, you almost have to take it case by case sometimes. Okay. Um, but again, with less to choose from, buyers are a little bit more flexible than they are when they have tons of choices. When there are tons of choices, yes, if you're not making these changes, you are going to get passed over by homes that are really trying to attract buyers by taking these extra steps. If you're going to put money in somewhere, and we kind of talked about it last time you guys were in, Jackie, and, and Rick, in, in regards to building a house. But if you're going to put money in somewhere, would it be the main floor? Like, Do you spend the extra money on hardwoods downstairs as opposed to in the master bedroom? Or do you so. finish the tour of the master bedroom and see this beautiful hardwoods that you're? it's going to sell the house? How do you approach that? That's a really good question. Um, and and I hate to say that everything comes back down to what the circumstances mm, are, but, okay. it, but it, 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 generally, it generally does. I mean, I will meet with clients sometimes that aren't as excited about what their house is going to sell for because their expectations were so high. Mm. And in those cases, we really kind of pare down the changes that they're going to make to Im- improve the house. Um, there are other times where making all those changes makes all the difference and the house is going to perform so much stronger. So if we're talking about like room by room, I kind of go back to the kitchen and bathroom, but you're doing yourself a disservice if you're going to invest that money and not kind of carry it through each, you know, each floor of the house. Okay. Is there a better time of year to put your house on the market? I guess you said it's been... It's been really a seller's market for so long, but typically, is there a better time of year? I think typically most people aim for the spring because your landscaping is popping up. The days are longer, so buyers are out later at night shopping for homes. And a lot of families want to close and move after the school year has has ended. So a lot of people are aiming for a June, July, August move time to get settled before the new school year. And so that demographic seems to kind of push on to either side, if that makes sense to folks that might not be as tied to when the schools are out and things like that. But when you get more inventory in that particular range, it affects people on both sides. Um, And I think last time, Jackie, you said it, that this is a very emotional purchase and you're just looking how quote unquote pretty things are. And we get fooled sometimes by the staging of, of houses. What are those key areas that we should ask about and know about? I think that, uh, you know, I think that you'd want to make sure you'd look at the uh, furnace, you know, okay. the sub pump. You want to look on, you know, so you can ask w- what year the roof was put in. Okay. Mm-hmm. When was the last time it was sited? Uh, um, what are those key questions? Because we've talked about it before yeah. with, you know, homeowners don't have to disclose every single horrible thing that happened in a home unless you ask. So what questions should we be asking? You actually, in most cases, you're going to get a property condition disclosure statement from a seller. Um, and so New York State requires that. Um, <laughs> unless, you're, unless you are buying like an estate, um, new construction, it's not required either. The seller does have the option not to provide you with a property disclosure. If they choose, then they have to give you a, an actual $500 credit at closing for not oh. providing that to oh. you. Um, but the property disclosure is an opportunity for the seller to let the buyer know, here's what we know about the house. So it's a little bit of like a buyer beware. And that usually will answer, it'll answer what they know. It doesn't mean that it's all 
true and accurate because it's what they know to be true. But it will usually disclose the age of the roof. Um, if the home is on a septic system, the age of the septic and how frequently that's, you know, pumped or if any repairs have been made. Um, and so it goes through and it talks about just about every aspect of the home. What you do tend to notice is that people don't know a lot about what they own. (laughs) So getting an inspection is a really, um, you know, really good thing to do so that you understand more about what you're buying. Again, comes back to ethics. Yeah, you could have that person who wants to cover up the fact that they have a leaky toilet or yep. major flood damage that they're covering yep. up by some drywall. So, and so have- having somebody who has a trained eye to find those okay. things is really important. Um, you know, even cases where people throw rugs over areas that they don't yeah. want to see. That, you know, there's a hole in the carpet or there's a big stain on the hardwood or whatever. You, you know, you've you've got to you've got to investigate. You got to look into that. So I think looking at the structure and the foundation is really important. Um, the roof, the furnace, all the mechanicals, the plumbing, making sure that, you know, you don't have leaks everywhere. The electrical panel, that that's been updated. Things and you like do that. need a third party to come in because you are, you're in this fa- this fog of, oh my God, I love this house. And sometimes you don't think about the practical things or see yeah. it. Sometimes well, you and I have, I'll have clients that want to bring, you know, their Uncle Joe, who's a contractor, in to do these inspections. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's, you can choose who you want to have, to have do your inspection. The problem is, if something is found, trying to negotiate that with the seller is going to be more difficult if the party doing the inspection oh, has Uncle a vested Joe. interest ah. in what the result is. So it really, it really does pay to use a third party home okay. inspector or an, or an engineer. Okay. Um, gosh, we could talk forever with you guys because there is so much when it comes to this. So we'll have to bring you guys back in, but um, let's give us uh, our return on investment. You dedicated your time to this podcast and we appreciate it. So it's time for our ROI. One umbrella theme, one big takeaway from today would be what? Hire a professional. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to know about this. And I think, you know, most consumers move once, twice, maybe three times in their life. Hiring somebody who might do this 80 to 100 times a year, they're going to have a lot of additional helpful information to support you through the process. So I think that's probably, in my opinion, the biggest takeaway. Danielle Clement from Remax Plus, and then Rick and Jackie Cardis from Stonehaven Custom Homes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Imagine if we all walked around like a Sims game with a debt bubble over our head. It's amazing how many people you would never think to have debt are buried in it. We invite retired bankruptcy judge John Ninfo in next week. No matter where you stand right now financially, how much debt you're buried in, you can live a life debt free. It's not too late. We'll give you an action plan next week on Seven Figures on Twitter at Seven Figures Pod. Thank you.